too many Tic Tacs in the town. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the 3.38 starting time. Please welcome from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Matthew Wiley. Play away, please. I bring the boom, I bring the thunder. Legion of doom in the dungeon of plunder. Go funny one eight seven. We're back. I think it's one eight seven. I've lost count. Let's go with that. It's it's Valspar week. Golf is back. Golf is back. Not these hokey partner Zurich Classic things. You've got Strongfield, Valspar, Florida Golf, Tough Course, Innisbrook, Snake Pit. Get ready to hear the Snake Pit all week. I like this course. I like this course because Paul Casey won it back-to-back. And we love Paul Casey. And I just blew my eardrums out by pumping this music. The Lydex from Winnipeg to about 90 decibels. That was the Lydex from Winnipeg. Blew my ears out. Uh, this podcast, 187, I think, is brought to you by Green Square Golf. If you want to know about golf history, recent form, course history, uh, any tour, any player, which is integral to you mapping out your selections for a weekly golf tournament, what is most important to golf success? How you are coming into a tournament, much like the Kentucky Derby coming up. Do you take a horse that's finished fourth? His last race out. Is he going to win the Kentucky Derby at a mile and a quarter against the best horses on earth as a three-year-old? A horse that finishes fourth at the Arkansas Derby is going to come in and win the Kentucky Derby? No. Is a guy who's missed four cuts in a row going to come in and win the Masters or the Valspar? No. So form. Are you a form better? Should be. Also, DraftKings got a contest. I don't have it yet, but it will be out, and you'll fill it. Every week, five bucks. DraftKings, five dollars. Single entry, no rake. No rake, meaning you don't pay extra to DraftKings to join the contest. No rake, free of rake, except for ding-dongs. I said in my notes on Twitter today, my course notes, my rolling course notes, I said the that Innisbrook or uh, the Valspar is a less than iron off the tee course. I meant driver. And of course, the sharps just ganged up on me. Those are the ding-dongs. And brought to you by Peptides. Under eye cream. If you watch my Periscope Wednesday, peptides are important for your under eye health and then ice. If you want to talk ice, which a lot of people do, and that's not a bit, 
people ask me about ice culture. De- uh, countertop ice machines, what are the best? What makes clear ice? New Wave Clear Ice 4.0. Best countertop ice maker on the market. Um, that was the Winnipeg the Lit Lytix for the music to begin this podcast. Friction. Uh, I was on, speaking of Canada, I was on Toronto radio. I haven't talked to anyone since the Masters. And by the way, just an amazing, beautiful win by our guy Hideki Matsuyama with a majestic, artful bow by his caddy to the course at the end. It was just fantastic. Plus the the new style. And someone sent me the the outfit that's doing these shots, but the stylistic uh, low frame rate camera shots for off the course um, uh, camera work, much like when the when the, when the horn was blown and blown and, and Rose had to leave the course when he was leading on Thursday. Uh, they did a, a, like a, a theatrical camera shot, low frame rate. It just was made the made the scene so much different. And they also did it with Matsuyama at the end with the sunlight sunsetting in the background and I thought that camera work is just amazing. It's such a such, such a different tone for the for the moment and the the bow by his caddy to respect the course. I thought it was just a beautiful event in terms of how it was presented. It was so well done. And then during the event I got on Toronto Radio, back to the Canada thing. I got on Toronto Radio Fan 590 and I was bumped for some for some Toronto Maple Leaf trades at the time. And the the host of the show calls my podcast. It's Matt Wiley from the Galando podcast. It's Matt Wiley from Galando. All right. Yep, that's me. Johnny Galando from the Galando podcast. There was an article, and we're going to get to, we're going to make this brief and get to Ryan uh, circling the drain, Josh Slepko and me in a second talking about Valspar. But I had a, speaking of Toronto again, I, I did a, I don't know if I should say this because Pat's going to release it in a couple of weeks, but I did a podcast uh, with um, Nathan Hubbard, who is Mark Hubbard's brother, and Nathan Hubbard, one of the most accomplished young men, younger, you know, I'd say young men, but you know he's a little younger than me or my age. Uh, the CEO of Rival, CEO of Ticketmaster, uh, one of the, you know, one of the minds behind Twitter. And Pat just teased me up with this guy and introduces him with his bio, and then me, this jagoff from Lexington, and and and, and Oshawa. It's like thanks, Pat. Nathan Hubbard was really impressive. Um, but it was a very good podcast podcast with 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 Pat, and we talked about really the landscape of golf and gambling. And one of the articles I've read uh, since my the last show I did was one in the Wall Street Journal, which was titled "Gambling on Golf is About to Explode." Uh, the holy grail is in play bets, and the possibilities are endless. And I suggest you read it if you haven't already. And my point with with Nathan Hubbard and Pat was on their show, and I've said this before, 
is that the landscape for for live content and live sports historically and today in different formats has always been a dopamine chase. I mean, you get pure fans of of the sport itself who watch it regardless. But but largely it's it's chasing that dopamine which came from the fact that you're either betting on it or with a team sport it had local it had local equity to you. Like UK sports, Kentucky sports, Kentucky basketball are gigantic in this in this geography here where I am in Lexington. I didn't grow up with it. I'm not a huge basketball fan. It doesn't mean much to me, but you know, the last 20 years I've learned that it means a lot to people here. Just like the Leafs do in Toronto with me growing up. But does that team sportedness have enough does it does it release enough dopamine for the next generation of fans in that really it's just a local thing. It's local pride. We won the Stanley Cup. Who gives a fuck, right? I mean, okay, so what does that mean? Like, Kentucky's won the championship here a million times. How how much more does this next generation care about that in terms of watching live team sports? Whereas in golf, and I've said this before, but it really puts into perspective when the Wall Street Journal is now talking about it, is that I think the I think that the 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 hierarchy of of professional sports that are going to succeed in this next uh, generation is that golf is not reliant on that local team. It's about you know, but it's about my community, and I can tell people that I'm from Boston or Lexington or Toronto or or L.A. and my team won the championship, and it means something to me. It's it's that you can. You can change who you follow every week, not be reliant on one team or one player, bet on it without any biases whatsoever. I mean, even though you I mean, that's the thing about team sports is that in football, you're 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 rostering a team that may be counter to the team that you follow or like. But it doesn't matter because the dopamine chase and the money chase is much more important than that. And so oftentimes you'd rather see your home team, your local team lose if it means you're going to win. That's the reality. And so what is what is what a team sports become at that point in the future like this you know this 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 jersey agnostic just environment where everyone just plays team A versus team B and you're just playing players. It's, it, it's going to be a challenge, I think. It's going to be much different. I don't think it's going to go away, but it's going to be much different. Whereas in golf, it's that way every week. There's no there's no loyal fans to one player, and they're only, only going to play that player, except for Paul Casey or Tony Fino or Gary Woodland or Ricky Fowler. And that's why golf can ascend – not not only the fact that it, it's it's a sport you play and you understand that it's a sport about self-improvement and you've played a lot of these courses the guys have played and it's really a challenge between you you and the course and you know getting better. So it's very relatable that way. But I think the Wall Street Journal article was very uh, sharp in the fact that it said gambling on golf is about to explode, which I think it is. 
I think it is best poised in the future to have the most success in this in this you know gambling landscape. And I also believe that a lot of these, or some of these, or one of these fantasy platforms that is dominant, DraftKings, probably will start owning the content or should own the content more. Live content. Why sponsor it when you can own it? You are the content. You're why people are watching. I mean, people are watching, you know, four days of the Zurich just for the just just for the solid golf play? No. Watching it for the fantasy of, a, angle. And so if so if DraftKings needs to retain its customer base by making sure the content live connects with what their what their customer base, which is spending the money the rake needs, then they're damn well gonna do it, in my opinion. Or should. I think it's a real challenge to traditional networks, which owned distribution, which has owned distribution. We're the only place that you can see it on live cable or live TV, and we have the huge production staff and and hosts, etc. Okay, is that protective? Is that a protective space anymore? Because the space that that the golf is in is is not just about sports. It's not about watching sports. There are many other places, and, and sports is not the only place, or gambling is not even the only place where you can get that dopamine chase or that rush that you're looking for. Oh, my team is going to be on the Monday night football game here in 1985, live primetime. I've never seen my team on TV before, but I turned to Channel 8 and they're on. That was enough for people and me 35 years ago. But that it's, this content is too frequent. It's too exposed. I get that. What's next? What's next? What space are we in? What are we chasing against? What are we, what are we competing against? What does sports have to compete against? What does gambling have to compete against? A 24-7 crypto trading? How about that? Robinhood? Stocks? GameStop pumps? Options, options trading? You want to rush? I mean, these guys are 100x leveraged long in Bitcoin for millions of dollars. They're going to care about throwing $100 on a football game on Bovada? That's That's a very competitive marketplace for sports, sports gambling. Robinhood, the gamification of stock trading and crypto trading. It's totally wild. But I do think that golf is well well positioned. IMO, which means in my opinion. All right, let's talk to the boys. Cash Tiger Woods, y'all. Hello. All right, so here we are. We're back. The three amigos. Slep, Ryan, me. What's up? Hey man. Gentlemen. How you doing? Hello. Um it's good to talk Testing. to you. hello uh we haven't talked since the masters well really yeah even before the masters took a couple weeks off for fake golf tournaments and are back with a valspar which is a real one and it's a very strong strong field for the valspar 
the final Florida stop, is it? I think it would be this season. Yes. And I in 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 I I had a debate with someone about this on text about it being I think one of the toughest stops on tour. Um any sub double digit winning score anytime you get a back-to-back winner and an elite golfer like Paul Casey, you know the course is tough. And the course itself Innisbrook in Florida. Whereabouts is it? Is it Palm Harbor? Yes. Yeah, near Tampa. The It's a par 71, but uniquely it has five par threes that are tough. Four par fives that are relatively easy. Um, but it's, it's, you know, not a long by PGA standards. I mean, many of the par fours are less than driver off the tee. I said less than iron off the tee. <laughs> In a tweet, <laughs> I I stared at that for a while yes. trying to figure out what you meant. <laughs> and and the sharps slash ding dongs got all over me about it, which they should have. But the it's what you don't see is that it's actually some some elevation to the course. Uh, it's pretty tight. The rough is punitive. A ton of bunkers, a ton of water. I think half the course has water on it. Uh, the greens are you know average sized. What we historically it's been pretty firm and pretty fast. And when the wind, which is, can be a problem here, kicks up that there you go. There's your, there's your defense to a course on the PGA tour wind and firm and fast conditions. The, um, I mean, again, it's been had when Casey Casey kind of a very methodical all around talented golfers, uh, who can play this course pretty strategically because you can play yourself out of it pretty quickly. When you've got minus eight winning scores, you know there's a lot of bogeys and not a lot of birdies to be had, even though there's four par fives that are relatively easy. And so this week, I mean, this, unless you've got anything to add, Ryan or Slap, does that cover it? I was impressed that you got through this without saying snake pit. So I was going to yeah. leave, I was going to yeah. say that. And no, I was like, oh, I'll let no, you, you have that. to avoid it. Um, yeah, you know, this course, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's pretty similar to the other Florida courses where water and wind is is the main defense. But this one's a little bit different because the rough can be up. And uh, mm-hmm. it seems just over the years that there's an added emphasis here on scrambling. So there's not many courses where I'm going to kind of weigh that in and actually try and find some good scramblers and specifically some good putters. But, um, I mean, look at Spieth is one here and Patrick Reed is one here. So, um, yeah, I think that that's the direction that I'm going this week. Have you played here, Ryan? Uh, a long time ago. I mean, not that I would I really remember stuff, but it's hard. I can say that. Yeah. Good update there, Slep. Thank you. Thanks. I, I just <laughs> I felt like I should have something to add. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I came up with. It's typically how shows work. Well, you know, it's, well, it's bullshit because I, I was sitting there just ready to pounce with Snake Pit. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and Ryan stole it. Well, for those who don't know what the Snake Pit is, it's a very tough closing. It's like every every um, closing three holes, especially in Florida. Uh, the Bear Trap is a good example. They have the Snake Pit here, and it's a tough closing stretch. 16, 17, 18, par 4, par 3, par 4? Par five. I think it's par four. Yeah, there's basically no par five. Um, 
there are four par fives, right? It's, I'm not at the end of the course. Hmm. Yeah, but not at the end of the golf course. Yeah. Right. Um. So the field here is, I think it's stronger than it really ever has been, probably because of the timing and the schedule. But you've got you've got some pretty big names up top: Thomas DJ, Reed, elite Corey Connors, and the pricing. And I want Slep to talk about this is is strong. A good word for it in that there is not a lot of options at lower prices and a lot of, I think it's priced pretty fairly in terms of what the golfer should do. And it's going to be very difficult to build lineups if you want to be heavy up top, like with a JT. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. Looking through the pricing there, it seems like there's just, there's not a lot below six or even in the low sevens. Um, and there aren't that many when you just glance through pricing, like free squares where you just say, Oh, this is a super value. Mm-hmm. As, as you mentioned, it seems like everyone was kind of priced appropriately. And then, and even the guys that you probably had in your head, like, Oh, I really want to play these guys this week, whether it be Casey or Connors, they, those are priced up too. So it, it's going to be difficult to, make a roster that you really feel comfortable with. Um, I generally, I, I like those types of weeks um, where you don't have to make this decision of paying this, of deciding, do I want to play the super obvious value at 40% ownership or try to pivot off that? So um, I would agree that yeah. I, I wouldn't say there's one person on the board where it's the obvious super value, you know, hyper chalk play. I just don't see it anywhere. It, it feels like it could it could become Denny McCarthy, uh, who I who I do not play, but I think um, he's priced down there, kind of low sevens, has course history, has form. People are going to weigh putting. I think that's a guy who who could get very popular this week. Is it based on his top ten here once? Yes, basically. Is this a week, let me ask you this from strategy's perspective, Slab, is this a week where where you leave money on the table? <laughs> uh, I don't think you're going to need to leave any money on the table this week. You're going to, um, but there's, I don't, as we said before, with I don't think there's going to be huge clusters in, in ownership, um, which that can be good and bad in a sense. Sometimes where you know all the ownership, where all the ownership is going, it's very easy to make your, a pivot play in a particular lineup. Uh, I expect there's going to be ownership is going to be pretty spread out here, but no, definitely you don't have to, I know you love that strategy, but I think you can, <laughs> you can wait till maybe wait till next week. There are five guys, 10 and above. We were going to say four and leave Paul Casey out, but we can't do that. I don't have any ownership projections yet, but I would imagine that back to back winner, Paul Casey an all around elite golfer. It's going to be pretty heavily owned, even at that price. Yeah, he'll be interesting. Only that he burned everyone last week, and so, but generally the field has gotten a little bit sharper and not abandoning someone because they missed a cut. Um, yeah. And well, I don't know. Did I say last week? It was like a month and a half ago. He hates the RBC. 
Yeah, I think he's. Is that yeah, what it I think was? Casey's never made a cut there after the Masters. So no, never. Fine, but he was. But he was chalk at the RBC, correct? Of course, yeah. yes. But he almost yeah. hates it out of spite. Like he just spites yeah. the RBC. So it, I don't think that he's going to get that much of an ownership uh, drop due to that miscut as chalk. And I, I agree. I think he's going to show up well in people's models and he's going to show up well for people who are looking at course history and being the cheapest of the quote unquote studs. Yeah. He'll be fairly high owned. Ryan, 10 and above. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, (laughs) for, for the combination of safety and upside, uh, I would say Patrick Reed is probably number one. Um, in terms of GPP leverage, I think DJ is going to be a tremendous play. I, I still don't think people are going to play him because he quote unquote sucked at the heritage. He finished tied for 13th. I think I told you guys he'd finished 12th, but he finished tied for 13th. He sh- shot 66. He never plays he well 66 there. on Sunday. Like he's played okay here before. So like if I'm looking for a different roster build, I would start with DJ. Because every model that everyone's going to develop, JT is going to be well, and one, and on a right? course like this where the distance and short skin off the tee is not most important, like you're going to see most models have uh, DJ like tenth or twelfth or fifteenth this week, which is it's just stupid. So my thing is now, since obviously you're going to have a pool of players thirty or forty deep, if you're playing, you know, 150 lineups in the in the 200k, you're going to play some of these guys. But what my my question is. Are we going to be heavy on anyone 10 and, and over? My answer is probably no. Yeah, I am going to play a lot of Patrick Reed. Okay. I'm. Yeah, I, I'm going to have – I'm going to be heavy and DJ, and I, I don't know what to do with Casey, but I probably lead into the fade. Um, yeah, buddy. Yeah, I'll have him in – have to. Well, after, I mean, after the heritage, I have you got to fade Hoblin too. A promise to, I think those would be the two guys. That I, I made promises play. to my wife and my son. <laughs> uh, so, but Hovland is an interesting one. I think he's very overpriced. I don't even think he lines up well for this course. Well, I don't, in the, I don't think the models will spit him out as a good play, but I think he's going to come in very low owned. Interesting. People always play him, and everyone bet him last week at the, the the Zurich thing. So, but yeah, but they but don't they don't play him when he's when he's the third, you know, at ten Maybe five. Not. Just both. By the way, can we talk about the the absolute disintegration of Tony Fino and Cam Champ on Sunday? That Again, scorecard, man, over. that scorecard was a work of art. Even in team play, it happens to these guys. It just, it's. It's terrible. I'll get to Stenson and Rose here in a second, but um, th- I think everyone's going to be saving. If that's the strategy that you want to be high on Hovland and Reed, the or sorry, low on Hovland and Reed, I think everyone's going to save their their ammo for the nine k range because the eights are so egregious. But here you've got. Canadian legend Corey Connors at 9.6. You've got a, 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 a guy who loves Florida golf in Tyrrell Hatton, 9.4, and who's playing better. You've got Abe Answer, who has played well here and is going gonna, is gonna to show up in models and now I think is 
toe tag and Tambo's conviction play on Roto Grinders with a dot underneath him. And Sunjay M, who won the Honda Classic. What do we and then Russell Henley at 9.0, who's gonna show up top five in everyone's model? So what happens in the nine case? What are you heavy on here, Slep? M. Yes. Love him this week. He's I think he probably is my number one overall play. I would agree. I, would you would you think he's gonna be high like uh, highly owned? Um I don't, let's see. Probably yes. a decent amount because yeah, I mean answer will get some and M will get some. But Connors may pull some off him, but no one's gonna play what Bubba, Rose, Henley, Neiman. I mean, Neiman gets a little bit, but no, he'll be heavily owned, but but deservedly so. Um this is, you know, there's some people I'm going to fade for chalky reasons, like maybe a Casey. I'm, I'm not going to fade him for ownership because he's my favorite play. What I, I, I really like about him is he can be your first guy in the lineup in terms of salary. Like he could be your, mm-hmm. he can be your most expensive guy in your lineup. He could be your second most, or even pushing it in some lines. He could be your third most expensive guy. So he's I, a birdie machine. I love it. Ryan, any heavies in the nines? Yeah, I mean, I, I have no argument with him, but my top play uh, in the nines is, is the same as my top play every week. It's Corey Connors. I'm going to hammer the shit out of Corey Connors. Uh, he's expensive, but I, I don't think he's overpriced. I think he's appropriately priced this week for what he is. Um, so, yeah, he'd be my top. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards a fade of answer who, like you said, I, I, I feel like he's going to be popular and, Look, answer's going to be fine. He makes every cut. He's going to finish top 20. But as long as he's not in the top five or scoring a lot of points, he's not really going to hurt me at, at that kind of ownership. So um, it's definitely Connors for me. And if I had to make a GPP stand, just picking the guy up here who's going to be lowest owned, uh, feels like it's going to be Scotty Scheffler. Because mm-hmm. he's too close to Casey. And Yeah, I don't know what the course fits like for him. He's, he's, he's obviously not super accurate, uh, but he's a pretty good putter. Um, obviously makes a lot of birdies. Um, so yeah, I think again, if you're trying to get contrarian, you fade Casey and you play Scotty Scheffler. I, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say two things that are controversial. I, I can never play answer in that. I believe he's Grillo plus, and I can never play Scheffler. in that I think he's Tony Romo minus. <laughs> Fino. I, did, wait, did you mean he didn't Romo mean or Romo, Fino? but it came out. Very funny. <laughs> it worked. No, it came. It, it's Romo. Tony Romo light. Let the let the let the joke oh. resonate in your ears. He <laughs> looks like Tony Romo. Um, um, all right, let's go down to the eights. This is the. Wait, this, oh, go ahead. Hold on. We we have to discuss Uzi. Abs- absolutely zero percent. Wait, let him say that name again, Ryan. Who? Usti. He said Hovland. You're lucky. First it was Hovland, and now it's Usti. Uthi. Uthi. I, I will concede the first time I said it, there was something going on with my mouth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Louis Ustazen is an absolute god, goddamn legend. I tell you what. I love Louis Ustazen. I just think I think he should be 8'6". Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, but you don't pay him for this price. Uh, and he's going to be owned. Oh. Like It's not like he's going to be a sneaky play this week, so... Oh, when he hid behind that board, I mean, I've been there so many times in life, not not on a golf course, but like having done something and then just standing behind a board. <laughs> just done something in life and hiding behind boards? 
Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so, all right. So we're not. Yeah. The, yeah. This is. Yeah. The AK range right. is, is so completely fucked uh, this week because it is literally a murderer's row of guys that I fade and hate every single week. I mean, Hoffman, <laughs> murderer's look, look, row of yeah, you got Bubba. Hoffman, Palmer, Tringali, Grio, Kirk. Like, I don't want to play any of them. You missed Rose, well, Ryan. Well, we're playing Rose. We bet Rose. We're not playing Rose. Okay. For anyone who was on Rose Stenson last week, Stenson was – Rose carried that team, which is not saying a lot. Stenson was horrendous. But Rose was equally not oh, good, yeah. honestly. No. Now he's close to 9K. Justin Rose, he should – I mean – He's been set low seven. He's been terrible. Many of these the guy shot one. He's been terrible. The guy shot one good round at Augusta. Um, but look, he was 50 to one when he, he should not be 50 to one in this field. He should be 28, 30, 33, whatever it is. So, um, but yeah, I don't think he's, he's a value at all. I think he's, you know, appropriately priced, maybe a little bit overpriced this week. Um, this, the eight thousands are, are, are an elite squad of no plays. Kevin Na, you think I'm ever going to play Kevin Na again? Ever? No, but you're going to play. To what, what was the? Tr- no, I'm not. I'm not playing anything. You know why? Who I'll play? How you will play? Is Max Homa? Interesting one. Yeah. No response. I don't know about that. They'll play no one. I'm not heavy on anything here, but I will play Homa. Slap. Agree with me here. Nothing in the eights. Nothing. Not There's- much. Not much. Thank Sprinkle you. donuts. Yeah, Slep's uh, gonna play Bubba. So, oh yeah, uh, you I quit mean, Bubba every week, and then he plays Bubba, and then he quits Bubba. Well, I, I talked myself into this being a Bubba course. How I, how many times has Bubba won here? Oh, that's the that's the qualifier. I thought so. We talk about Augusta. We talk about Riviera. We talk about Travelers, places that he's actually won. Here's the one thing in Slep's defense that I will say about Bubba here is that you've got this. This the dog legs here are are frequent and they move the ball all over the course. It's left to right, right to left, and you know he's one guy who can do that. I mean, it's it's just it's kind of challenging that way. And he's a good yeah, scrambler. Bubba's um, in, he's in play. Have we gotten to coke rack yet? <laughs> he's. He's going to be chalk. Do we agree yes. on that? Yeah. Coke rack. Yes. Huge with course history. And then you're just looking at, you can just tell where guys are going to show up in everyone's model. And he's one of them. Um, and he is terrible. People have already, but, already, already tweeting the picture of him playing fake cards for MGM resorts. It's over. We, we are, we're getting, we're basically on the precipice of the best range in, in the whole tournament. Here's who's going to gut us all, and let's just be completely honest about this, is Cam and Tringa. <sighs> Who fucks you more than Paul Casey? It's Cam it's, and Tringa. It's either Tringali or Palmer. One of those two. Uh, because, yes, because they make so deadly. many birdies, and, and, and they never contend. But they just have that random round where they have like eight birdies in a streak. Yep. And I'm just like, Jesus, fuck. Because par five scoring is going to be important this week. They're, the par fives are easy. It's par 71. There's four yeah. of them. And Palmer's a great par five score. He's just Fair. always there. People have been getting let off the hook on Palmer for it feels like a year. Yeah, because he makes an eagle every round. I can't take it. 
no, it's bad. Um, but he can get in trouble. So here. any heavy he can get in trouble for sure. Any heavy here? I'm I'm not having. No, I don't here. think so. Like I, well, I, I'm gonna play Rose and probably a little Coke rack, but but no. I may have a little Kirk. I am heavy on. By the way, the nines. I didn't say my heavy. I'm heavy on M, and I'm heavy on Russell Henley. Yeah. In so, this, what's that? Okay. Yeah, in, we 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 talked about M, but yeah. In the sevens, in the sevens. Now this is some interesting stuff here. here it's a very go. deep range. Yes. Here we go. Um. You know, you got Keegan who's playing well. You've got um, Adam Grace. Sorry, Adam Grace. Adam, Adam Hadwin, Grace. former winner. I said Brendan Grace right below it, who's a no play. You've got Dirty Denny McCarthy, who will be very chalky. His top ten, and he doesn't. He hasn't missed a lot of cuts. Plus, he makes a ton of birdies. Um, and then lower down, lower down, you've got. Um, I'll let Slut talk about Hoagie. But I would say that I would say that my favorite, my heavy in the sevens, and it's be interesting to see what the forecast percentage of him will be. But I feel like one of the best prices on the board in that I know he's playing better. You've heard he's playing better. He played better at Augusta is Gary Woodland at 7.8. It just feels like the type of course that he can excel at. I I love it. That's be very my, heavy on Gary. That's one of my favorite plays here. When he's 2000 cheaper than you know Scotty Scheffler. You can just kind of I mean and I don't even know I don't know if I just feel it from when I'm looking at you know shot tracker during the day but it just feels like he's kind of coming around and yes. I, but I don't that's not going to show up anywhere um so I, we're going to get him at nice ownership and I don't think he even has good course history so I don't know if that's He didn't break 72 not, at the Masters right? for four rounds either <laughs> so there, there are two well, guys slept. he's one he here hit- he did he doesn't have good history overall but he's one here so you have to, to just factor that in a bit yeah. <laughs> the, here's the thing I'm going to let I'm going to let uh, slip off the hook with that comment by saying this. The the thing I will say about Gary Woodland is is that him him at any price stares you in the face like Ricky Fowler. But Gary Gary can more deliver than Ricky Fowler can on a, on a week-to-week basis. There is never a price especially when he's 8,000 under where I cannot, this like Gary is a bird, he's just a monster birdie machine. And he may let me down, but I don't care because I love Gary Woodland so much. It's it's the Ricky Fowler factor, only mm-hmm. better. And he won. <laughs> it was like 10 years ago, but yeah. Um, yeah, there's a few guys that I like here, but I, I, I think there's some traps as well. I mean, so I bet Keegan and Burns, first two in this range. Um, the I mean, both have played okay here. I mean, with Keegan, I mean, this is where he started, right? Where he went full Keegan, first round leader, and then missed the cut. So um, he's obviously capable of of playing this course well. Burns, obviously um, strong on uh, Bermuda, has played well in Florida, likes tough golf courses, made a ton of birdies last week. He definitely carried Billy Horschel. Um, I see the argument for Lucas Glover. I don't think I'm going to go there, but I do see the argument there. I get behind that. But the one guy that I want to talk about, because I think he is going to get some ownership, is Sam Horsfield. 
uh, who's obviously coming over from the European tour. And for anyone who's kind of been watching that and betting that he's like the favorite every week and he's in contention every week. However, uh, if you look at what Horsefield's strengths and weaknesses are, he does not have a great short game uh, with the around the green. He is a pretty good putter, but he can't chip and he can't hit fairways. And I think those two things are pretty important here. Um, so I'm probably going to stay away, but you're probably going to see people playing him this week. I can't seem to stay away from Eric Van Ruyen too. He, he's, he's like playing Gary better. Woodland, he's playing bit. better. Yeah. I it, well, I don't think you're going to, I think you're going to get Horsefield under 2%. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Under 1%. I mean, everyone listens to Euro stuff now. Like the guy's been 11K and contending every single week over there. So you're not going to come on the PGA tour at a course like no. this. You can't play around the green at seven. No, points. I don't want to play. Absolutely. Not to mention, not, not with, uh, not with Denny one more, a hundred more Gim, who I do like at 73 and Lanto at 74. I I mean, he might be 0.5%. Can, can I throw a name out there? Please. I want to say John Huh, but every time I play John Huh, he, he shows up in all the models. He's like Henley and, and, and uh, Charlie Hoffman. But Keith Mitchell, seven. I think that's one of the lower price guys in the board that I like. Anything below is kind of getting rough, but I don't know. Where am I in Keith Mitchell? Am I too much course history here, Ryan, with Keith no, Mitchell? He's he's playing better, and if you're going to play him anywhere, play him, you know, in the southeast. The Florida guy. Um, yeah, I think you know. Again, I think the biggest issue it, the biggest issue with Mitchell is that um, you need short game here. So I think that's what it comes down to. He doesn't have it. I don't think he can win or anything like that. But you know, he's made a couple cuts in a row. Played well at Valero. Played well with Snedeker last week. Uh, and you're going to see some shitty names pop up here. It's just it's that kind of course. Mm-hmm. What, Ryan? What are we doing with Sneds? So I think that whole range. I mean, from from Norin, Gim, Uline, Snedeker. I mean, I think all four are in play. I'm inclined to get off of Snedeker here. I think. Um, yeah, I think. I think I'm. I think I'm. Yeah, um, I think we had a good run. Uh, <laughs> did did I we? Think, yeah, I mean, I feel like <laughs> yeah, and like when you look at guys who can play on 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 really tough golf courses, like. I think from that range, I would look at Norn and Gim uh, probably before I looked at Snedeker. Norn was a name that I, I stared at for a while. Currently, don't oh, have put him, him in the pool, pool but he's in right, the pool. He's in. <laughs> you yeah. can't delete Snedeker. Snedeker. No, we're talking about Norn. Snedeker's. Oh, you you think Snedeker should be in the pool too? Yes. I mean, even when he was good, which some might say he never was, he's. Not for he hasn't done anything here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I need a little more upside for seventy three hundred, especially in a week where there's a lot I like at the top. Yes, Nets isn't going to make. Know. I mean, six, seven, eight birdies here either. You know, he's he keeps having these rounds where he has like two birdies and three bogeys, or three birdies and one bogey. It's just yeah, it's just not good. I know he. I know Slep has this internal struggle with with guys like Stenaker. He's one of them. Fowler, Woodland, another. He's going to battle this. But you can't. You can't quit Stenaker under seven point five because in your mind he's he's just this streaky birdie guy who can make a lot of putts. I mean, he is, but he just he, yeah, he just hasn't been. That's the thing. I don't know. 
I feel I feel seen. <laughs> yes, I, I'm, I'm exposing <laughs> you. He's one of the three. Another uh, one has been on. I'm I'm dead serious. Oh, oh that's your. That's not me. I have no problem okay. asking that guy out. All right. So, so but all right, before we get into the sixes, yes. Can I? Well, there's one name that I'd like to talk about. Throw out, which is Neesmith. and I don't. There's a. He seems like I have was running something, and he had really great stats for this particular course type. So I think he has a great course fit, but it was on a very limited sample size of the courses that I had included. Um, I don't, I mean, he, he just seems like his, his ball striking is really great. And he seems like someone who could excel here. Well, he won here before. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, Eastmith just hits a lot of greens. Like he's going to be playable on these courses that are short Bermuda with small greens. So like, I think it's time to quit Neesmith and go back to Snedeker because Neesmith has Nate, Neesmith. He's missed. He's missed half the cuts he has in his last eight, seven starts, meaning three and a half. So I don't think that. I'm just. I'm not. Neesmith is like. Yeah. No. Yeah, I'm out on Neesmith. He's like Sepp Straka. Whoa, slander! But I'm sorry. I'm setting. What up. did you? I'm setting. What did you say about the mess? The mess. The mess cuts. <laughs> Why can't I speak right now? Uthi? <laughs> All right, let me let me just tell you how many cuts Snedeker's made in a row here. Seven. I feel Seven. like you've used this logic before, and it was the week that you had 80% Charles Howell. That was a mistake at 1, 1 30 in the morning. And I was awoken <laughs> to that. This guy hasn't by, missed a cut uh, in 20 years. <laughs> having 71% Charles Howell at the Farmers Insurance Open and being told that is a very daunting thing, especially when he goes plus eight to the first nine. Yeah, he said like 82 on uh, Thursday. Yes. Um, okay, let's go to the sixes. Who are we going to be heavy on in the sixes? I don't see I don't see a ton here, and I know some names are going to be brought up that you're going to regret. I'm going to bring up one name that I'm going to regret, which he's going to – you talk about Sam Horsfield. This guy's going to be less than 1% owned too. For some reason, and this reason alone, is is I can't believe I'm saying this name. Why does Jamie Lovemark do well here? I don't know. That is a name. Why? I don't know. And what did he finish second in two the, weeks the ago? The Corn Ferry Tour. He lost to Peter Uline. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, I mean that was yeah, that's a totally different play out in Vegas playing in the desert in the wind. I mean, Lovemark has has sucked for a year and a half. There's just no reason to play him here. Um yeah, I mean there are some names. My issue with this, right, is I sit here and I talk about, "Hey, I need a short game. I'm going to have to make putts this week." And then I click Straka and Kyle Stanley and KH Lee and all this shit. Um Kramer Kramer Hickok. Yeah, but I mean they make birdies like Straka you know, great par three scorer, makes a ton of birdies, great ball striker. Kyle Stanley, same thing. Uh, KH Lee plays this type of golf course really well. Um, I'm just going to play those guys. I play them every week, but they're usually all right. Because here's the, here's, the, here's the cognitive dissonance you have to wrestle with this week in that you have a – it's a very ball striking, good iron play. Uh, strategic plotting course, Paul Casey-ish type winners. But then you have Luke Donald, who who's won here and has 
five top tens. And I mean, I know perhaps that he has had you know a great run ten years ago when he was, I don't know if he's world one back then, but it's it makes it interesting, right? Because then you have a you kind of have a have a different style of golfer succeeding here. And he was top ten in twenty nineteen when they last played. I mean that's 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 terrible Luke Donald range, mm-hmm. and he's still top tening here. Now I'm not gonna play Luke Donald, but no, there's really yeah. I mean if if you're looking that far down, there's really nothing there. There's nothing. I mean, there is nothing like under I yeah, like under Ben on which you mentioned. You're not gonna play Ben on, but like under him, there's really I mean, there's nothing down there. Slut's got something. I know he's got something good. All right. Well. We're gonna play Seifert for sure. It's just the I've been playing him a lot, and then I realized I don't remember what course it was, but it was a birdie maker course, and I just realized that he just couldn't keep up with that. So I said, "Well, you know, I'm just gonna only start playing this guy at difficult courses." So fortunately for me, that lines up for this week. Um, another name that I really like is a guy that I know that uh, Ryan plays a lot, which is Wes Bryan. <laughs> this is slander. Well, there's, there's. If you I, fucking losers team. have Wes Bryan and Sam Horsfield on the team, Wes was first. Ask Ryan how often he plays Wes Bryan. It's it's absurd. Wes, I know. Yet I didn't play him at fucking Harbor Town, which is the one course that he's actually viable on. <laughs> so there's yeah, there's this other guy. I don't even I don't even know. I probably haven't even rostered him before. Um, he's got like, have you heard of this guy, Bo Hoag? <laughs> the early trombone, Bo Hoag. Yeah. Um, no, but it, with, with, in all seriousness, are you guys playing Kyle Stanley? Of course I, I am. I mean, I play Kyle Stanley every week. Yeah. Um, yeah. and he teamed up with KH Lee last week. They were both good. So I'm going to play them both. Logic. Can we, who did Bo Hoag play with last week? Uh, Cockroach. Yeah, that was bad. Um, yeah, there's really, yeah. I mean, there's nothing down here. I would say if there's one other guy who who I actually like, who I think has some merit this week, um, is probably Rafa, and he's been bad, right? I mean, RCB is bad. Rafa's not good. He's, not he's good. bad. I'm gonna say he's bad, but he's now finally at a price where in a week where there's not a lot of values, right? Where you can get a guy who you know probably has top 20, top 25 upside and can make birdies. Um, so, and again, he's going to be 1% on, maybe 2% on, but I think he's the best player down here overall. Uh, where did he play last week? Uh, Grand yeah, the Canary Canaria. Islands. And he, did he even top 25? No, because he played terrible on, on Sunday, but uh, he shot three rounds in the 60s the first three days, so it's not like he was that bad. 65, yeah, so 67, Robert, 67. He's he's really not a good golfer. No, he's not. Um, he's doing top I, 50 there. What He did something. He must have, what was the, he, what did he do here that from like for the next four or five years? What did he do to, here? Like, consider this guy. <laughs> How I does mean, he have his tour card? And well, I, yeah, I mean, he did most of his damage if he, if he in, in Europe, obviously. You know, it's how he made the uh, uh, the Ryder Cup. But he played well at Players' Championship. He played well at an Open Championship. He never won anything, though. 
is brutal. <laughs> it's unplayable. I mean, you're comparing you him go. to Sepp Straka and Kyle Stanley. Like, he's playable there. Uh, I'd play Bobby Shells over Rafa. The Shell Man. Are we going back to Whaley? No. There's nothing There's nothing heavy in the sixes. There's a lot of heavy in the I, sevens. My so I do are... have one name. If you're going down to the bottom and you want a guy who can score, probably will barely make the cut, uh, Kelly Craft. Irons have been good. That's all I care about. When you look at a guy who's 6,200. I've, I've been playing same. him. Yeah. Yeah. See, miscut, 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 44th miscut. Got to get that 44th, we, man. We disagree, time with, we disagree with his politics, correct? <laughs> yeah, most people's politics. We disagree yeah, with. yeah man, 80% of the tour. Yeah. All right, so give me your, give me your guy. This, I call this the three for three. Three guys, three picks. Are we just taking who do we got? Taking who here? wins? Just take it. Who's your winner? Winner. Uh, or, or who's your who's your heaviest single play? Heaviest single play is going to be Patrick Reed. You're lying. Wow, that's, that's, that's not going to be true. No. Yeah, you're right. It's Corey Connors. <laughs> of course. But I can't bet him a 20 to 1, um, so I'm not going to bet him to win. But yeah, uh, Connor's for me for DraftKings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I have been toying around, around with a 150 build, which is minimum at least one of Connor's and M. Yeah. And so I feel pretty confident that one of them is on the winning lineup. I really, as I said before, I really like him, and um, my top stud I would say is going to be DJ. All right, shocker! I like the in play. Uh, I'm going to be heavy Woodland in the sevens. My top play, my heaviest play, it's going to be Patrick Reed. Oh, a little razzle dazzle here. It's a razzle day dazzle. Save it till the end. Everyone's gonna play Thomas or Connors or DJ. You want you want two second place elite short game, maybe the best on tour, probably the best on tour, best putter. Patrick. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. And probably sub what, what, ten percent owned? Uh no, I don't think so. I feel like people are going to play him just because he has history here, and you know he seems to be good every week. Like he he doesn't really have any bad weeks anymore. It's a Connor's fade, my friend. Oh my goodness, have you learned anything? Yep. I don't care nope. what his pro- he nothing. could be sixty nine hundred, seventy four hundred, eighty eight. They don't fade Corey Connors. You and Saul never learn. For the record, I did say this is a less than iron off the tee course, and I ate those words. I I I did I did hear and I know you did too, Ryan. Slep say he's not playing anyone under six K. <laughs> did I? Yes. <laughs> I mean f- facts only. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. It was so great talking to you boys again. Yes, we're back. We'll chat yeah. with you guys next week. All right. See ya boys. All right, that's it. Good talking to the guys.
keep this podcast short. We're going to keep it shorter. Condensed, consistent content every week. We'll talk to you Wednesday in the live show. For now, I like Woodland in that range. Patrick Reed, M. Who knows? We'll talk to you next Cause I